0: Welcome to FILED, a monthly conversation with those at the convergence of data privacy, data security, and governance. I'm Anthony Goodwood, CEO of RecordPoint, and with me today is my co-host, Chris Brown, RecordPoint's VP of Product Management. Hey, Chris. Hey, Anthony. How are you? Good. I'm uh, in sunny Las Vegas today at the Snowflake Conference, so uh, enjoying life.
1: Lucky to be you. Uh, lovely day here in Brisbane, but certainly no Vegas. It's
0: Bruce Vegas. It's always Vegas in Brisbane. <laughs> And look, Chris, I'd love if you wouldn't mind introducing our amazing guest today.
1: Yeah, look, I'm really keen to introduce our guest today. So what I'll do without any further, I would say hi to Anne Cornish. Anne, how are you?
2: I'm really good, Chris
1: and Anthony. Thanks very much for having me. So Anne, CEO of RIMPA and a long storied history of uh, managing information with clients as part of a partner network, as part of a business that you've run, and, and certainly if you've, you've been involved in a lot of things that I've been involved in over the years as well. True. Mate, do you want to just give us uh, like a couple of minutes of sort of a bit of background and, and what your current focus is. A couple
2: of minutes. There you go, Chris. <laughs> yes, yeah, so CEO RIMPA. Well, what a long journey. It's been an amazing journey. So yeah, you're right, Chris started, look, I'll be quite honest, started off as a, a mail opener or a filer in a, a local government in Victoria, uh, because your know, mum said that's either a job or school. And a job came up for two weeks to do some filing at the local council. And I never left 11 years later. And I gained a whole lot of experience during that time. It was in the 80s and 90s, a lot of change. So things went, you know, instead of just having paper, we started to have word processors and those sorts of things. So records just started to change. Which was amazing. And um, in Victoria, I don't know if anyone can remember who's as old as me, but there was a, Mr. a gentleman by the name of Jeff Kenner who came in and introduced compulsory competitive tendering. And that meant that a lot of government, especially local government, decided to outsource their uh, records areas, believe it or not, which was great. So It was actually a good thing in the sense of that I got a redundancy and uh, started a business and worked the business from that. So, and learned a lot and did a whole lot of consulting for about 27 years, which then led me to become the CEO of RIMPA. So, I'm a subject matter expert. I suppose I can still call myself that even though I haven't been a consultant for the last five years, but I think I still am, still keep in touch. So, subject matter expert who's uh, with business background and the CEO of RIMPA. So, there you go. Fulfils a whole lot of things.
1: Yeah, so for those of the listeners who don't know what RIMPA is, do you want to just give us a quick rundown on who they are?
2: Yep, sure. So RIMPA, the long version, is Records and Information Management Practitioners Alliance Global. So in August last year, RIMPA, as we are well-known, took a global status because we are no longer just Australasia, which originally was that's what we were. RIMPA is the peak industry body for records and information management with the objectives of offering advocacy, a bigger voice, education, professional development, collaboration, networking and resources. I suppose that in in Tintax, that's pretty much what we do.
1: Certainly you and I have had lots of uh, engagement as RIMPA professionals, but also in the marketplace. There's actually a lot of change coming in the information management and governance and and even the records management space. And, And a lot of this is due to sort of, technology and and obviously other regulation, how do you see that evolution? From your seat and being a part of that sort of industry alliance, how do you see that affecting what's happening?
2: As in affecting the um, the industry and affecting the practitioners, is that what you're referring to?
1: Both. So let's start with the practitioners, your, your members.
2: Technology, as you well know, Chris, and I'm only pitching to the converted with you, is a major component of the information management industry. So I think information management practitioners have been, in my opinion, and I'm going to keep saying this, my opinion, not RIMPA's opinion, my opinion. A little bit slack possibly at times in keeping up with the trends in technology. Anyone who's old enough, again, remembering the 80s when email came into play and it was initially sold to everybody as being an informal discussion tool and now have a look at it. It's the major tool. It's, it's, it's probably the biggest records and information management system on everybody's desk where the majority of records are kept. And I still don't think, well, I think we missed the boat or missed the, the wave at the time as records managers and didn't pick it up as being an important piece of technology that was going to change the world and, as I said, form the majority of our records. I still don't know if we've actually achieved that, Chris. But well, my point of all that is, is that let's not miss the next waves with you know, the future of technology and AI and machine learning and all those sorts of things because if we do, the same thing will happen. What happened with with email in the 80s is that we'll still be trying to catch up, let's call it 40 years later, in all honesty.
0: That's a really interesting point. What, what are your opinions? I, I realize they're not necessarily grimpers, <laughs> as you say, what are your thoughts on how that occurs? Because there's been a couple of waves now missed by, by the industry. So there's some big ones, um, you know, really cresting out there, ready to break. How do you think we all catch those?
2: I'm going to be quite candid here. So what I do believe is that we've got to stop sitting on our backsides, um, get out of our seats and get and out of our basements or out of our offices. I don't care where you sit, it doesn't matter and get involved That's been our problem. I mean, you think about records managers are typically known as introverts. We sit there and we just do BAU each day, you know, open mail. This is, I'm talking old fashioned here. Open the mail, classify, put a stamp on it, off you go. Deliver it, remember the old days with the trolleys and go and deliver your mail, which is amazing. A good way of networking and collaborating, but not necessarily a practical way of using your time. But in saying that, we tended to just keep doing the same old, same old day in, day out. We need to move records managers to remain sustainable, and I, and I appreciate we're going to talk about this shortly, but we really do need to expand our skills and technology is part of that, guys. We need to have a better understanding, not just speak the speak, and I think that's where we were in the 90s and the 2000s, and Chris, you can vouch for that. I, Chris and I worked on multiple projects together and I, I sort of made an effort to be able to speak the speak, but I can tell you, Chris could probably, and probably still could, bamboozle me with language that I'd sit there and nod my head with. but. In saying that, I probably got the gist of it. And if I had enough confidence in my abilities, I would question Chris. Oh, sorry, Chris, I'm using you as an example here, but or any, anyone who's in that IT.
0: We question Chris every day, it's fine.
2: <laughs> when I say question, I would go, what does that mean? And I think records and information managers are really reluctant to go, what does that mean? Because it's outside of their realm of expertise or outside of their pay scale, which I used to get told quite a lot. I'm sorry, you need to move on from that, everyone. You need to develop your skills and you need to ask the questions. But it's not just technology. What Technology is great because it's certainly a solution, but it's only part of the solution. It's all the other skills that go with that. So with technology comes project management skills and it comes change management skills and stakeholder management skills. And all those things that records managers 20 years ago, or even probably even today would say, Hey, that's not our job. Do you know we're not we're here to do classification and metadata and and BCSs and all those sorts of things and EDRMSs and all that sort of stuff but it's actually not true okay we're we're bigger and better than that and i think we need to realize it i could talk forever guys you know that don't you <laughs>
0: no, absolutely. And and, and look, it's, it's a podcast. That's, that's, that's absolutely the point. It's really interesting to identify those opportunities that fall out of what you're talking about. You know, what, what would you see as the big elements that people in the profession should really be thinking about today and getting ready to assist their business on through the next two, three, five year kind of journey?
2: We've got to start thinking about our value. So let's be honest, if everyone went to work today and they turned on the computer and there was no information on it. You couldn't do your job it's as simple as that okay and I'm, and this is the thing records managers information managers i don't really care what you call yourself it could be pink and purple polka dots it doesn't really matter my point is you need to be able to sell that value you need to actually stress to your organization and and we as an industry need to do it as well holistically that without information the world doesn't operate It's as simple as that. We can't make decisions. We don't know how to answer our customers. We don't know what we're doing tomorrow. We don't know where we're supposed to be. It's just information and it's really important. The world is realising the importance of information and we live in the digital world and all the cliches that go with it. But to answer your question, Anthony, what do we need to start doing? We need to understand the value. And I think we need to be a part of risk and governance, which. We sort of are inadvertently, but the problem is I don't think we realise that we have got a big part to play in those areas. And that's again, us lacking confidence in knowing what we do and what we add, how we add value to an organisation. But the biggest thing that I can't stress enough is the ability to, and this is what I think we need in the next five years, is get rid of that introvert perception, Anthony, and start being communicators and marketers and selling what we do really well. Okay, we need to be our own PR. We need to do PR for our industry. For for us as individuals, okay, we need to sell ourselves. So that's where I believe.
1: I totally agree, Anne, and and I think that you and I are sort of very much on the same page there in terms of, you know, I I always call out that there's three main assets in an organisation and two of them are very obvious and have all of these systems and processes in place, and that's their cash and their people. But if you take away either of those, you get the same outcome. And, And when you take away the information from a business, you don't manage it properly. You end up in that same place. So I absolutely hear you when you're saying those things. And probably the interesting thing for me in, in this is the world has moved, and, and certainly there's regulation, we'll talk about that in a moment, but the world has moved to valuing that more as well. Not just internally in the business or at a customer level and worrying about my own data and obviously my own privacy. But the hacker, the the cyber criminal, has now really seen value in that information and their ability to collect lots of it. So as the gatekeeper, if you will, or the the organiser of of that information, helping an organisation to manage that better, to understand their risk, as you've just said, this is now a a key value point. And, And certainly at a board level, more than ever, people are talking about privacy, retention, governance Strike now is our best opportunity as there are all those additional regulations not only coming, but have come. So, you know, with GDPR being the start out of Europe, there's CCPA and, and others in the States, you've got the Australian Privacy Regs that are in play, but obviously being updated as well because of the hacks at Latitude and Optus. And, you know, as, as organisations, you know, we're having to deal with these people sitting under risk teams and, you know, they may understand those information management and governance concepts. They don't necessarily have the understanding that a RIMPA member may have, but they're not in the risk team or they're not in the legal team or now those teams are starting to come together. More recently, a couple of financial institutions I'm talking with, the professionals that I'm talking with are labelled privacy and retention. And it might seem like they've oversimplified what information management or records management is, but at the end of the day, privacy and retention is what the regulations are calling for, it's what the boards are talking about, it's how they're showing value in those organisations by disposing of information and obviously securing that information from a privacy perspective. Why do you think that's happening, that that sort of change of vernacular?
2: So first, I'm going to go back a step, to Chris, to your initial comment about the importance of information worldwide, globally, and, and with all these cyber attacks So that. I am so frustrated that we as an industry, and, and, and can I say, RIPA are really trying, that we haven't jumped on this bandwagon because this is a crisis, let's call it a crisis, that we should be jumping on and using to our advantage. And forget about, not just forget about, but the industry as a whole, but us as individuals, this is how makes us so important. I mean, the Optus and the many bank things where they're keeping information for so much more longer and putting themselves at risk, and I keep using the word risk because I think that's where we fit in really well and that's where we show value in any organisation. The risk there to um, that information being released or being hacked was out of control, as we all know. And that's you got impacted. It was the non-customers, the old customers that got impacted, not so much, yes, yourself, Chris, uh, and a lot of others. But why aren't we jumping on it? So I get frustrated that we as an industry as a whole or even us as individuals don't jump on this a bit more and, and get involved. And And I'm going to plug Rimper a little bit. We're trying to. We're getting involved with the, the change in the privacy review and the legislation. Secondly, in relation to the, you know, specialised, titling of, you know, the privacy and retention officer and whatever, I think I said before, I don't care if we call ourselves pink and purple polka dots. I'll be quite honest. It's what you sell, how you sell your value to the organisation and what your skills are. It's funny, I did a bit of research before I came on today with you, but we have, uh, everyone has to list their title and we've got some amazing ones, you know, information forensic officer, is another one, right? So, and my point of when, when I say this, you know, legal and governance, risk and governance, risk and value manager, data is now appearing in everyone's title or every second title, um, quality, risk, all those sorts of things. My point of that is, can I be quite honest with you, they're actually all doing the same job, right? But plus, they're doing that traditional records job, I'm hoping. And, and I know if they're not doing it personally, they've got people below them that aren't. But they're also taking on all those other skills that we talked about, the technology, the risk management, the compliance, the governance, the marketing, the communications, the change, all those sorts of things as well. So I'm really optimistic about the future for records and information managers. As I said, call us whatever you like. If if we have to be, you know, pink PNP association in the future, as I said, pink and purple polka dots, I don't care. It really doesn't bother me because what we do is so important. If society wants to, call a, pink, a, a white fluffy thing a dog or and if they want to call a dog a white fluffy thing. I, I don't really care as long as society knows what they're talking about. If it means something to them, does that make sense? It does. We're too big on terminology and getting caught up on that. And records has a connotation in its own right. We've had this conversation. Chris and I have had this conversation multiple times. the The word records still has a perception around about being paper and you know archives. and And if you work for a records management consultancy company, you still get phone calls. People asking for you know the the vinyl records that you know play songs and they sing the songs to you and that sort of stuff. But My point of all that is that, yeah, the the word records has probably got that connotation and we do need to upmarket with information or digital or data. I don't mind. But as I said, call it whatever you like. I think we should be optimistic, not pessimistic about our future because it's broader and bigger and more valued.
0: No, it's a great point. Can I ask a more controversial question to cut right through that level of controversy? Sure. Do you think the skills in the industry are actually there or do we need to inject a new set of skills and a new set of people? Chris and I straddle and have uh, the entirety of our careers, both the records world and the technology world. And there's been this really interesting shift in the technology world of bringing in, you know, originally, you know, I'm old enough when it was a lot of people who were DBAs and, you know, did funky stuff in the basement as IT people, right? But a lot of IT people upgraded their careers, went and did more management orientated course, got more integrated with the business. I never saw that happen in the industry, in the records world. How do we get that infusion? How do we, how do we get those skills there? Cause that's what's missing, right?
2: Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, Anthony. Um, I think there are some people with that have got those skills. I mean, there's always some people that have got those skills.
0: Of course.
2: We need to like exactly use that word, inject those skills into the business. I think the millennials coming through and I'm going to use that millennials and, and younger generations are going to come through with a much Broader or diverse skill set than just, as I mentioned before, BCS metadata, you know, the, the traditional fundamentals of records management. It's not happening now. And that's a concern to me that there's some people around that don't necessarily want to expand their skill set, which puts a lull in our industry until the next generation comes through. And that lull could just about get set, it could possibly set gone. Do you know what I'm saying? So we as RIMPA and as the consortium, and I harp on the consortium because I think we give us a, a bigger voice with thousands and thousands, I'm talking hundreds of thousands of people rather than just two and a half, 3,000 members of RIMPA. I'm talking hundreds of thousands across the world. It allows us to inject or to in, impose or encourage those skills sooner with a lot of other people. And a lot of the other industry peak bodies across the world, are, and I've spoken to a lot of them, are thinking exactly the same way. That's a good thing. We've now got to bring the members along the journey with us. They've got to be prepared to do it. It's interesting, sorry to to keep on about this one, but we offer VET training, as you know, at RIMP, I don't know if you are aware, but we do offer VET training because there was a gap. So you've got your higher education and then you've got sort of nothing. I basically, you know, unless you want to go and spend thousands and thousands of dollars to do higher education, you're not going to get a qualification. So we saw a gap and we have implemented it. Employers want to pay for their employees to be educated or qualified. It's the, the staff that don't want to do it, right? Now, they don't want to do it. There's a couple of reasons. Probably, possibly don't think they should, don't need it. But there's also this factor of time as well. And we're all time poor. Let's be honest. We all want to have families, businesses, hobbies, sport, you know, you name it, and, and work. And work's no longer 37.6 hours anymore or whatever, the 38, 40, doesn't matter. It's It's more than that because we communicate constantly. I don't know about you guys, but... And I know I have with Chris, I've communicated with him in the middle of the night um, and globally, especially, and, and that's becoming more and more because it's accessible. The point of that is, is that people are willing, employers are willing to pay, but we've got to bring them on the journey to get them doing. So it. So we're doing strategies at the moment, Anthony, to, with RIMPA. We're trying to get teasers. We're going to put modules out with event modules out, in-person modules, at, at possibly at RIMPA Live at the conference so that we can come in, do a module for free and see that it's not that hard. Do you know what I mean? No, fantastic. So anyone that's got any ideas of how we can encourage these skills, and I talk about this constantly, I present everywhere and have been all around the world presenting about the skills that we need and that they need to, okay, and I'm, get candid, get out of your seat, get out of that chair, move away from your computer, go out there and talk to the business, meet the business, get outside, go and network and professionally develop. That's, that's my soapbox for the
0: day. There you go. <laughs> absolutely. I'd love to understand, you know, to switch gears slightly, we are talking earlier about the waves that are cresting, particularly in things like AI. Clearly, we, we've covered privacy in, in some depth already in this conversation, but, but AI is this massive behemoth. And I'm going to plug a little bit of what we do here at Record Point and have done for a while. We're really automating a lot of the things that traditionally have been done by records managers and allowing them to spend more time on the higher value things, you know, applying AI to do classification, applying AI to understand the context of data and summarize it more effectively. Our processes are really a V1. We're seeing with large language models and ChatGPT and all these things that we see out there that are a bit trendy right now in inverted commas, some real changes coming into the industry records management is going to look really different in five years from now
2: how do you shape that
0: because it's one thing about business integration and justifying value it's another one now with this technology trend that's going to automate and cause these things to come together
2: yeah so the first thing we have got to do is make sure that the records managers aren't scared about this technology and they have an understanding which is what we've said at the start of this podcast but this is really important that they ride this wave, right? Don't sit back and let everyone else do it because they will they will lose their jobs or they won't, won't be involved and they won't be valued. I think AI is more than just auto classification and that, from an IM practitioner point of view, I think there's a lot more involved, it impacts the organisation. So you're just talking specifically what's impacting information managers in their day-to-day role. I'm thinking that information managers need to be more involved in a whole lot of AI, like what's the impact of chatbots? What's the information going on in that relation? What's happening with risk modelling and the and the artificial intelligence that's doing that, right, and how involved are we? Because we're the ones that are going to feed the AI. They're going to learn from us. It's got to learn from somewhere. It doesn't just happen, as we all know. And so our jobs will change. Where we, we no longer put pieces of paper on file or classify bits of mail, we now teach the rules to the systems and allow the algorithms to do what they do in the AI and have this. But don't be scared of that. Oh, I see, personally, to me, that's a challenge. To me, that's exciting. And that's how records and information managers should look at it. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, after a few years doing the same old thing, sort of gets a bit boring. Your fundamentals are always there. Everyone should pride themselves. That's their value. And when I say they, it's the IM's value is the fundamentals. They are fully aware of the fundamentals of records and information management, you know, all the, the compliance requirements. And as I said, the rules that go with that, those all have to be implied in the AI world. It's an ongoing and AI will continue to learn and we have to continue to teach it. And that's where I see the roles long term. I just think it's a challenge.
0: And great answer, a really great answer.
1: Yeah, and I think to add to that, it's about helping the professionals coming through, but obviously the professionals, as you say, that are in those seats now that AI is about amplification. AI is about taking their subject matter expertise and amplifying it across the business, doing it at a scale that they couldn't do. Generally, you would say that a worker in any industry will do the work that's in front of them and perform the work to the best. You know, you would expect that most people are doing the work to the best of their ability with the tools that they've got in front of them on any given day. And what we're saying here is, is that AI actually gives you the ability to amplify that, to scale that out. That scale is necessary because organisations have changed. We've had the pandemic, but there was a growing move to more flexible work. I've been involved with businesses where I've obviously worked from being more flexible than working for 15 years. I haven't been in a situation where I've had to go to an office every day for at least 10 years. And the element behind that was that the technology allowed me to. My role allowed me to be in more places than, than just the one that I was physically in at any point in time. But with the pandemic and the change of systems and the move to you have to be at home, information workers, which are the people that, you know, the records coordinators and records managers service, because they're the ones producing information, move their systems, move that to away from the desktop PC, away from the in-house server room. Everybody went cloud, or if they haven't, they're a going cloud. And those are organizations that really didn't ever want to. We've spoken to organizations in the last 12 months who are like, I'm struggling to understand how we're going to make that transition. And then there's the reverse of the organizations where it's like, we're cloud first all day, every day. And they're celebrating the day where their their last system is switched off. And some of them have done it 10 years ago and others are in the progress of doing it now. But that's the major change for the information manager. As you mentioned at the beginning, and it was paper and then email. It was paper and email, then word processors. Well, now it's paper and email, word processors and chatbots and, and my day-to-day Zoom calls and the 10 systems that I use for each of the individual line of businesses. There's the, you know, and each of these things gathers documents in what we would normally call documents and or records. But then there's these new forms of records in the channel conversation or the information that's in Salesforce. All of this is back to the legislation, which is where the SME is, is it evidence of a business transaction? Is it evidence of, you know, an interaction with a citizen or a, or a customer? Therefore, it needs to be managed appropriately for its appropriate retention and disposal. And that's what the professional is all about. That's what the industry is all about. The fact that it's email or Word or Salesforce or in Teams or as a Zoom call is actually irrelevant. And because of that change, or because of that scale, tools like AI are going to help that records manager, that information governance individual, that risk, privacy, retention manager. AI is going to help them to reach out to all of that where they previously just wouldn't have. Because we know the finance team's not going to do it. We know the asset guy's not going to do it. The HR person's actually got a better job. Yeah, you know, they've got another job to do. The guy who works for the local government who's driving around and and you know fixing the roads or cleaning the parks or mowing the lawn, he's not going to do it. It's not his job. It's the information management professional's job to help the organisation to get there. And AI is a tool that's going to help them to do that.
2: Imagine how appealing, more appealing that role is now, Chris, with that, what you've just said, then 40 years ago, when I got involved, if you stood up at school and said, why don't you become a records manager where you put pieces of paper on file and drive trolleys around and stamp bits of correspondence in comparison to now, you know, you're going to be, you know, working with algorithms and teaching rules and working with AI and, and, you know, the bigger the system. It's such a much more appealing role for the younger generation than it was when I started 40 years ago. Now, 40 years ago, people didn't wake up one day and go, I'm going to be a records manager, believe me. And I ask this question when I present on a regular basis and I never get a hand up, you know, who's who woke up and went, I'm going to be a records manager? No, it was done by, you know, you were put into a government organisation and that's where you started and you, yeah, and you either liked it, you didn't, or you moved on, it doesn't matter. My point of that is, is there wasn't too many people that went and, as I said, woke up and said to do it. This is going to change things, Chris, in my opinion. This introduction of AI and making that the job, the same job, far more interesting, to me is going to be a more appealing and long-term role for the younger generation. That's my opinion.
1: And let me add to that another comment. And I tell this to our grads. As a a business, we bring a number of grads through our business and, you know, especially they're they're technologists. They generally come in as engineers or other sort of technology roles into into our organisation. But because of that, you know, save the world is probably a really bad roll-up of that, but that that mentality of leave it leave the world a better place than you found it type situation. I talk to the societal change that we can affect, and one of the really interesting things here is in the example of the latitude hack. Latitude being the you know buy now pay later style, you know go to Harvey Norman and get a loan. For the couch or for the telly or whatever, you know, the, the six months interest free.
0: Your big box store in America, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you know, buy now, pay in six months type interest free deal. Generally and certainly, I've used those, but but generally, this is the person that is probably the least able to deal with their information being thrown out onto the internet and be made available to a hacker, a scammer, or otherwise you know we've watched our fair share of current affairs shows and read our fair share of news media posts where someone's lost tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to a phone call that was you know too easily targeted based on information being lost latitude lost a bunch of those people's information for no reason For absolutely no reason and as an information manager as someone who's in that industry that makes me really upset that we don't have the tools to make that easier that they should have known that information should be destroyed it was no longer valuable those customers should not been should have been better protected and we can make that societal change through alliances like your own of driving that back to organizations going it's just not good enough that information is being kept beyond the length of time. It would be like saying the banks just leave the money sitting on the counter. Like you come along, you deposit your money, and they say, I'll oh, just place it there, I'll get to that, I'm really busy at the moment, and someone just walks along and takes it. Well, bad luck, it didn't end up in the safe, so you miss out. That's the same sort of level of negligence is probably the word. And obviously, Is you it know,
2: negligence, Chris, or is it laziness? Is it uneducated? Is it... Is it cheaper? Hey, it's ill informed. It's yeah. cheaper. It's cheaper to keep everything than to go through and actually colour. Think about it, like right? To get rid of stuff, you actually have to do a little bit of work. You can't just go press a button and off it goes. You probably need to have a bit of a look at something before you do that. So that's time and resources. Businesses like it's just easier to keep it. Storage is cheap until you get hacked and you end up. It's costing. I mean, I'm not sure if you know. And that's but that's what's changed, right? Like yes. at
1: the board level now, if I'm the Optus chief. I would have much preferred to come online after that hack because I'm a big believer that the hack is going to happen. It's not an if, it's a when situation. But if I was the Optus chief, I would have much preferred to be able to stand on my soapbox and go, while we were hacked and obviously we'll look at our security and whatever else, you know, it, it is a bit of an inevitability. But we only had the information that we needed to keep by regulation, by law and nothing else that would have been a much better position for them to be in. And there would have been hundreds of thousands of Australians in that instance that would not have been affected. And the same is true for the Department of Justice hacks. And the same is true for many, many other overseas hacks. The target is is huge. And, and societally, we can change that. That is something that this industry can
0: change. Just want to make one point on the language there. You know, the bulk of the data in these hacks, whether it's been here in the US or, or over in Australia, the organizations did not have a right to have, full stop. They didn't have the rights to have that data any longer. And so their duty of care on that data, they didn't care. They didn't take duty of care. And, and I think the use of the word negligence is apt because I think what we're going to see and what you know I think should permeate through the industry is the notion of duty of care of data governance. So it is not acceptable, and I don't think it's acceptable to society to to go have someone's car after you said you've returned it, it's exactly the same with your digital documents, right? Your digital assets that describe you, I should say. That's I think where it'd be really interesting, I think, from a professional perspective to understand how we bridge that gap. Because again, most of the conversations I have with people in the information sphere is still around the very basic elements, not actually discussing that duty of care. Is there anything in, in that space that's coming up, Anne, around duty of care and duty of care of data?
2: <laughs> that's like the utopia of, of, of everything. Yeah. This is, and I'm, I'm, I'm let's harp on this again, but this is probably the biggest aspect of the global consortium that's going to take up is this this duty of care across the board, because it's not just in one country and it's not just in one spot. We need to look at this globally. I just don't think we can do this on our own in Australia or in America or, or New Zealand, it doesn't matter where you are. It's about educating and selling. And I think, and I hate to say this, but unfortunate for the Optus and the many banks of the world where I believe Optus lost 30% of their client, their current customer as a result of that breach. That's huge money. That's, we're talking dollars here. It's those sorts of lessons learned that other businesses will listen to, if that makes sense. It's when it hits the pocket, as we all know, is when they start to listen. And that unfortunately has to happen more To get the message across, in my opinion, to get it across quickly. Uh, We saw it with COVID, right? No one knew COVID was going to happen. Then all of a sudden, Chris, you mentioned it. COVID came, everyone worked from home. We all became, everyone became digital. Now, those, many of those organisations still to this day, and it's what, four years on, would not have been digital in the way they are now. COVID pushed that to happen. I'm certainly not suggesting we have a COVID and we're all at home, but my point is. If it unfortunately takes a few more hacks, and Chris is right, it's going to happen. We, we think we're on top of it and then they get better and they get better again. They're always going to be steps ahead of us, in, in in my opinion. I agree. As you said, it's not necessarily, I don't know about when, but probable. It's quite highly likely it's going to happen. The more it does happen, the more that the, um, the world and society is going to understand and realise this. The other care is about us as individuals where we go anywhere now and we just give information out left, right and centre, right? we're really, really, we're negligent too or negligent or naive, I don't know what it might be, is, you know, you're talking about we sign up for things on the internet, we give our name, our address, our email, our phone numbers, our gender, the number of employees. How many times a day do you answer those questions to get an e-book or a to sign up for a conference and those sorts of things. My point of that is it's a bit of a two-way street, Anthony. I'm, I'm probably getting a little bit um, soap, um, box again, but my, yeah, there, there's a whole lot of, there's a big conversation around that particular topic, probably another podcast in its own right, to be honest, just on that. Absolutely. But yes, there's, there's, there's Anthony, <laughs> to answer your question, we need to do something. I don't have all the answers, but I think collectively, if we and I'm talking vendors, the, the peak bodies, the regulators, really important that we all work together here and not not disparately that's I think that's the big if we can start that way we've we're already on the right road
0: no fantastic and we've covered a lot of ground uh, here in the conversation and really appreciate your time obviously some key trends we really want to try and get a whole bunch of more multidisciplinary set of skills in in the profession and in the industry in toto i love this notion of the millennials coming through and, and changing things. And I think we'll all be looking forward to to seeing some of that impact and some of those processes as time goes on. But, you know, really thank you for making the time and, and, and sitting down with us today. It's been, it's been a great conversation, a great chat. And I know we could probably all go on for hours and I'm sure I can buy you a beer and we can continue this. But, yeah.
1: Look, and, and thank you, Anne, for the engaging chat. Look, we've had a great time having you on. Thanks, guys. Pleasure. Where can people find you if they want to hear more from Anne and, and RIMPA?
2: Yes, yeah, so just go to the RIMPA website, it's just rimpa.com.au, um, or they can contact us via, or contact me via email, which is findanne.cornish at rimpa.com.au. We're always here to help. I'm sure they'll see me around, Chris. I seem to be, my head seems to be everywhere at the moment, but just, yeah, great for some and not for others. But anyway, that's all good.
0: But thank you. Well, I'm Anthony Woodward. Thank you for listening to this edition of FILED head to recordpoint.com slash filed if you want to see a full backlist of episodes and subscribe to the podcast we publish these every month and you can also get the monthly newsletter that we publish under the filed logo as well with some really interesting topics in that
1: and you can follow us on twitter and linkedin search for WreckerPoint and you'll find us just look for rex our dog and please remember to subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you
0: catch you next month
1: thanks